This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. B.B. Backhouse, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, no, it's really wonderful. Such a lovely, unusual book. It's called More Than These Bones. And it's a um, it's a book of the moment and it's kind of almost precious as well. Thank you. That's that's really wonderful to hear. It was a um definitely a a sensitive and precious moment to uh to constantly work through in my writing um and it challenged me and it required me to be very authentic and honest and genuine Mm -hmm. and so I really hope that that translates to anybody who reads it um and that they find a piece of themselves in the book also Mm. Mm, all right. Uh, and really, one of your many talents is writing. I'll just introduce you. Um, Baby is a descendant of the Bardi Joey people. Is that how I pronounce that? Is that Bardi Joey? Yeah. Um, he has made a name for himself as a creative producer, director of youth uh, theatre, festivals, public art projects across Australia, including international dance, theatre projects in New Zealand, France and Belgium. He has held senior positions at leading public arts organisations in Melbourne, where he has fostered many artistic opportunities for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander creatives to showcase. I mean, really, that is a very busy career just in itself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then you've taken to writing. This is your first book, um, and it is called More Than These Bones, and it's an epic and intercontinental poetry work detailing your journey through heartbreak and self-discovery. Yeah, mm. wow. Yeah, yeah. When you was, put it like that, it is a bit <laughs> Yeah, wow. was it? Does, does somebody's, I mean, I know you're probably not going to be answered, be able to answer this, but just talk to me about your response. It's kind of a culmination of a life to get you to this point. Absolutely. Every decision I've made, um, I view as a stone in the path leading me to where I am right now. And you know, we're all faced with decisions in life about, oh, what's my job going to be and what am I going to do next or to, should I take that opportunity and move overseas or the the other side of that is do I stay where I'm comfortable and do what I've always done because I feel safe here? And I think that the decisions we make always have to be aligned with who we are. And that's what I've always tried to do. 
mm-hmm. um, if something feels right to me. We, we've ha- we have a saying in in my language, which is uh, Liang Yan, and that loosely translates to a coming together of the spirit. And we use that term to help guide our thinking and decision-making process, whereby if something feels right within our spirit, will then we know that it's the right decision to make. And so that's what I've always tried to do um, is, is base my decision-making for my life, for my love, for uh, my career, absolutely everything in line with my spirit. Mm. And um, everything that I've done has contributed to my development as a human being, um, the good and the bad. And the the things that I've written about in the book absolutely touch on that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the good things about falling in love or the way that we see our family, um, the things that our friends mean to us, they're all great to talk about, you know, and, and they're so easy to talk about because they're positive and they make us feel good and they make us feel like we've accomplished something and that we're in the right direction. But we don't necessarily apply that same lens to the hardships or the tough decisions we have to make and the bad things that we go through. But there is so much positivity to be found in those uh, harder experiences in life because they shape who we are they teach us lessons of course um, and they provide us with these little gems of information to go oh I'm not going to do that again or when I fall in love for the next time these are the qualities that I don't want in a partner or these are the things that I good luck with that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know right it's like taking a I've got a few more years on you on that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's not to wish and dream. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, um, baby, I want to, I want to ask you this or or say it and and, and hear your response. Like uh, my background for those that listen to this podcast know that my parents um, are Lebanese Australian. They immigrated in the fifties. You know, we had no language growing up. I mean, you know, I couldn't speak English when I started school, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so, you know, I do see myself as a person of colour in this country. Um, And for a long time, I had no choice. It was imposed on me as well. But I've had a great life. I've got a great career. I've, you know, I've got the best job in the world. But along with that, I feel because of who I am, that I also have a responsibility to people like me. Yeah. Talk to me about that with you because that must weigh quite heavily. Mm. Yes. My identity has always been something very uh, difficult to land on. Mm. And the first thing that I can say to who I am is that I'm an Aboriginal man. And what that means to me is so deep and so layered because, you know, when I hit a little story, When I was born, my mum and my dad took me and my siblings out to our traditional homeland and I was introduced to the elders. And one of them held me for the first time and said to my mum, he's going to grow up to be very wise and he's going to grow up to be a leader. Now, I've been told that story since as far back as I can remember. 
So it's almost as if I was then conditioned to be wise and to be a leader. And I know that that's not something that was handed to me, that that's just a part of my natural evolution and who I really am. But there is always this weight that is placed on individuals. And there is always uh, a desire and a wish for Aboriginal people to succeed in a certain way, to help pave the way for future generations, to break free from past conditioning, from past um, hindrances, to, you know, to, to re-rhythm what it means um, to, to walk and dance as an Aboriginal person. And I didn't grow up with language. Um, I have white skin. And my mother was raised in a white household and I have a white father. So my positioning as an Aboriginal person growing up was simply knowing that I was Aboriginal and having such a strong disconnect with my Aboriginal friends in the schoolyard who all had very dark skin um, and could speak language. So a, a big part of who I am today has been the result of finding my language, finding my identity and creating that and then stepping into it with, with pride and with strength and courage. I had a very strong connection and bond with my Aboriginal grandmother my entire life. Uh, up until the day she died, and she played such a strong role in my development and helping to steer me into being who I really am um, and giving me the gift of language, giving me the gift of cultural protocol, giving me the, the amazing ability to be a leader for my people. And it's now, you know, I, I live in Nam, I live in Melbourne. This is not where I'm from. And so I am now viewing myself as a leader of Aboriginal people on a land I don't come from necessarily. And so, you know, that then also has its own sensitivities and, and wariness to be aware of. Um, but it doesn't stop me from doing what I want to do. And uh, I know that there is so much that I've still got to learn. And if I can continue to speak my language and if I can continue to go home whenever I, you know, whenever I feel the need to, I know that I'm always going to be welcome there as much as I'm always going to be welcome here mm -hmm. uh, on Coolin Country. Mm -hmm. So it's it's been a journey and it's been something that has made me question myself so many times throughout my life. Mm -hmm. But... I can only be who I am. Mm -hmm. And if I can't be myself, then I'm no one at all. Mm -hmm. And who I am, I'm proud to say, is a proud Bardi Jawi man who is making a life for himself on the other side of the country from where he grew up and making a, a, a strong, positive difference for Aboriginal and Foster Islander people. Mm. Yeah. Do you know, I, there, there is, you know, before I started... Um, this podcast, it's been, I don't know, four or five years now, 
there was so much that I grappled with in terms of identity, so much, mm. you know, because there was, and, and you'll you'll know some of these experiences, when I was little I didn't want to be that, you know. I wanted to be yeah. called Belinda Jones, you know. I <laughs> wanted to be, I wanted to have blonde hair. I wanted to be, I wanted to fit in, right, because we grew up in Glebe, which was very, very white at the time. Yeah. Um, and that feeling, you know, was so real at the time and I really felt that I was cursed because I wasn't like the others. And then I went through a period in my life where I started to, oh, actually I quite like being who I am. I, You know, uh, I'm, I'm getting more and more comfortable with it. And then when I started the podcast and started to hear other people's stories, I became loud and proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny how you go through those cycles, isn't it? Just in Absolutely. your own. And it's not just unique to us. I mean, I'm sure everybody has that type of experience. Exactly. I think in a, in a world that's dominated by white culture um, and colonisation, it's identity and the questioning of it is so common Yes. It's a theme that so many first peoples and, and ethnicities around the world can relate to and find themselves in also. Um, I always wanted a long pointy nose. Um, and I always... <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, that was yeah. because I was, uh, I was picked on for having a flat nose. Mm. And, and I wasn't... I wasn't able to celebrate my Aboriginal cultural identity and go, you know what, I've got a yeah. typical Aboriginal nose and I, I love it. Yeah. Um, I was teased about it and say, mm. you know, um, that was the only thing about myself that I wanted to change aside from the fact that I wanted dark skin. But I was able to grow into that because that allowed me the perseverance, you know, to move through this world as an Aboriginal person with white skin but still having these proud characteristics um, of of my people from generations ago, uh, it was such a strength to be able to carry that through and go, you know what, yeah, so what, I've got white skin, but I'm still bloody black on the inside. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm proud of my culture and I'm proud of who I am. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Another challenge that I've had is, you know, with Aboriginal people, there is always a desire to be bold in our thinking and to challenge the structural components of our society for the betterment of our own people. And what I found was 
you know, this pressure, and the pressure only came from me. I only applied it to myself. Mm-hmm. But when we, when I encountered uh, Aboriginal writers, poets and storytellers, they always spoke with a very political perspective um, that directly challenged the Crown, that directly challenged the government, uh, racism, segregation, everything. And I kind of had a thought of if I'm going to be an Aboriginal writer and use my voice as an Aboriginal person, are these the things that I should be talking about as well? And I struggled to apply that to my writing because it wasn't, although there were things that affected me in different ways and things that I still feel so strongly about, they weren't necessarily the things that I wanted to write about. And I say that in the sense of they weren't as strong in emotion or feeling as what I would be experiencing there in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would write about falling in love and then I'd write about losing that love and then I'd write about my grandmother and I'd write about my friends and I'd write about my drug addictions in the past and I'd write about my mental health and my mental illness um, because that's what mattered to me. That's what contributed to me being who I am. Uh, and so I always, yeah, just kind of had the struggle of going, well, with the question, what constitutes an Aboriginal writer? Mm-hmm. Does an Aboriginal writer need to write about a certain topic or a certain subject? And an Aboriginal writer can can write about anything that they want because... Well, you have to be true to yourself, don't you? Exactly. It, regardless exactly. of where you come from. I mean, it has to mm. come from you. You can't be writing what you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I, could, I only knew the, the things that I had seen and experienced firsthand. And I'm such a deep thinker and a deep feeler that I found truth in those things and I can only speak the truth and I can only write that truth. And so if I'm not, then I'm feeling dishonest with myself and I couldn't mm. do that to me and I couldn't do that to my people. Look, and also too, I think if you're deluded, if you read a book like yours more than these bones and not sense the politics anyway, you know, like those messages come through, you know, these, yeah, yeah that's just the way it is, you know, exactly. you're writing um, from the perspective of an Aboriginal man and that's going to come through. Absolutely. And, mm. you know, although I won't challenge any institution directly through my writing. I mean, I say that now, but, you know, mm. <laughs> who knows what the future holds, I could write an entire essay. Mm. But um, the the topics and issues around racism and segregation and bigotry, you know, not just against Aboriginal people, but also the segregation against um, the queer community, mm. you know, the rainbow community, that all translates so differently but you know what it is? It's a segregation of other. Yeah. Really? yeah. If, if it's not if it's not exactly like me, then how can I not how can I like it? That's what I don't understand. Exactly. But, you know, and I feel that because I get to speak to so many different people, I am learning 
all the time, honestly, yeah. all the time. I'm hearing different stories. I'm learning and I'm open to these things shock me, things don't shock me, think, you know, things make me emotional, things. Mm. Th- I, and if they're all exactly what I wanted to hear and who I wanted to be, I mean, I just, it's so dull, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, um, you know, I'm such a, a big believer and supporter of just being kind. Yeah. And if 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 what you have to say or what you think or what you feel doesn't uh, inspire kindness or, or general human goodness, then what's the point in even having that thought or saying those words? Mm. If you're going to belittle someone or upset someone deliberately Mm. and at the same time I think you know when you're kind of having a healthy debate or if you're trying to present a point across to someone if you have to upset someone in getting your point across I think it's time you reconsider your point, <laughs> you know. And, and, and your so, messaging. Yeah. yeah, your messaging. How did you, like, so you've got this wonderful career and there's been ups and downs, many, um, and you've got to read the book. But tell me how it is and at what point did you decide to put pen to paper? I think it must have been about 2017. Um, there was a uh, a book being researched and it was uh, going to be titled Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Anita Heiss was um, yes. editing and driving that project and a colleague of mine uh, actually emailed it through to me and said, oh, my God, you should write something and submit it into this book. It would be fantastic. And I'd always been a writer but always for myself, you know, just at home with my journals and my poetry and I thought, no, I couldn't do that, no way. But then I did, Um, and then it was accepted, uh, and I thought, oh, what have I done? And (laughs) typical me as well, I left it till the very last minute. I think I submitted with, you know, the final edits with five minutes to go before the portal closed. Um, And, but having people within the community Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal actually reached out to me after that book was published and go, oh, my God, I read your story and it was fantastic. And, you know, I I saw myself in your words. That gives me such inspiration. And it let me think to myself, ooh, if that short story that I've written about myself can mean something to someone else, then what's the impact of the rest of my words going to look like? And so that really inspired me to be able to continue sharing my thoughts and my experiences and my feelings with people um, in the hope of establishing connection and meaning through people with people that I'll never meet, you know. And um, and so I, I never thought that I'd ever be a poet <laughs> and I never thought that I'd ever be in a position that I'd have my own book published um, yet here we are, and I feel so blessed and inspired on a daily basis. And being able to share these things with everybody means so much. Um, and it's not so much—it's—it's it's not in a validation sense, because I get my validation from me. But it's more in the knowing that there is an appreciation for truth, and there is an appreciation for small, beautiful words from people. Um, 
and a desire to learn more about Aboriginal culture and learn more about the lives of strangers. You know, I find that very beautiful and poetic in itself, and that's enough to keep me going and keep me writing and keep me wanting to share these little pieces of myself with people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think you should continue to write. Um all my opinion is worth. Did you think at any point, I've I've often wondered this about writers who are also professional, you know, who have industry position or organisational jobs and whatever. Um, Do you, did you one at any point get nervous about your colleagues reading it, your boss Mm -hmm. reading it, your family reading it? You know, I mean, how do you still do? Yeah, Yeah, I can imagine because it is, it is putting it out there, isn't it, you know, and you are Absolutely. very honest in your words. Yeah. More Than These Bones um, captures so much that I've been through and it's the first time that I've allowed myself to be this honest about it all. Mm-hmm. When it comes to my previous addictions and um, mental health and illness, um, I... Of course, my family's been aware of it and my closest friends have been aware of it, but they've only seen so much and known so much from me. Whereas what I've written about in the book, although I don't touch heavily on it, I I share things that I've never shared before. And so during the writing process, as I'm writing the words on paper, I would think to myself, oh, Lord, what's my mum going to think when she reads this? Or, oh, what's dad going to say? Um, but I'm not writing it for them. So that was my answer right there. It doesn't matter what they think. I, I mean, I know that it's going to shock them and it's probably going to upset them too. Um, but I'm, I'm, I've, I've moved beyond that moment and beyond that experience. I've continued to grow. And so that's all that matters in retrospect. But even with my colleagues and the people that I work with and out and about in the community, I still do question how they're going to react. And I suppose that comes from this egoic place of, oh, I hope it doesn't affect our relationship or anything along those lines. And, you know, I've spoken about it with my partner and I've spoken about it with some of my really close colleagues Mm -hmm. uh, and just sought their opinion on it and the general consensus that I've received is that you know people really appreciate authenticity Mm. and it strengthens relationships so if there is anyone within my family my friendships or my professional circle who reads my words um, it's just going to make them value me as a human being even more um so I don't worry about it. So I, I I still question it in the sense of, ooh, what are they going to say? How are they going to think? But that's just the curiosity um, and wanting to know. And I'm just such a curious person that I'll never be able to wash that part. I think you should continue writing. <laughs> I, I really do. I think this was – it's a really beautiful book. Um, Thank you. And it's, it's – it's, yeah it, – it's hard to describe because it's so unique. Um, it's poetry and prose in a way, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it was beautiful. Trying to um, answer the question, you know, someone would say, even in, in the publishing house, asking the question of 
what how would you describe this book was it, yeah. is it poetry and uh there was a term that was actually thrown out into the open from the publisher saying that it was verse memoir and oh, beautiful yeah i really really clicked with that because they are stories i wrote them as stories in verse form they are all completely true and uh so i feel like that's what it is it's it's verse memoir but it's also poetry there's letters there's transcriptions of voicemails there's all sorts of things in there that all fall into so many categories that it's yeah. almost impossible to put into one verse memoir i love that mm. Phoebe. thank you so much for your time today i have enjoyed our chat so much oh likewise it's been my absolute pleasure if you'd like more information about better reading follow us on facebook or visit betterreading.com.au this podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app Join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.